Hey, and welcome to Potato Chip Podcast number six. Six in already. <coughs> cool beans. Today I wanted to talk about, I heard a real, I, well, it's Mother's Day today. And that doesn't mean in anything to me in terms of a celebratory sense. We never celebrated growing up. Uh, you know, I sent a message to mum saying happy Mother's Day and everything. But I didn't actually realise how interesting the story of how this holiday came together is. And it's it's only interesting because I think in a motivational sense of the ability of someone to get something going, it's phenomenal. So most of us think about it as, as a day like Valentine's Day that, you know, or, or whatever that we do, that Hallmark or whatever card company or celebration company, whoever could cash in on the idea of just inventing a random holiday that plays on emotions and so forth, had just made up one day. And so I, you know, I thought, oh, may as well just Google this video really quickly. Uh, and it is actually a phenomenal story. And it began with this woman called Anna Jarvis. And the first, it was first properly celebrated in 1908, but uh, she held a memorial for her mother at the St. Andrews Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia. And it now holds the International Mother's Day Shine. But her campaign, Mother's Day, uh, became a recognized, started to become a recognized holiday in the US, began back in 1905, which was the year when her mum died. And she had been a peace activist. Oh, this is Anne Jarvis, the woman who uh, created Mother's Day. And she cared about wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War and created Mother's Day work clubs to address public health issues. Um, oh, so that was her mum. So her mum, Anne Jarvis, A-double-N, no A, was the peace activist who cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War. And she created a Mother's Day work, a Mother's Day work club uh, to address public health issues. So her daughter, Anna, wanted to honour her mother by continuing the work she started and set aside, today, set aside a day to honour all mothers because she believed that they were, you know, in her words, the person who'd done more for you than anyone in the world. And she decided to get this sort of petition going, this, this, this campaign to make it an official day, which she started in 1905 when her mum died. Uh, it got to the stage, so she started this process. It got to the stage that in 1908, three years after, the U.S. Congress actually read, reviewed, and then finally rejected a proposal to make Mother's Day a holiday. And they did it joking that they would also have to make a Mother-in-Law Day, which is hilarious for so many reasons. I mean, you can just imagine what Congress looked like back then. Without any, without a shadow of a doubt, it would have been, you know, 450 guys just sort of sitting around talking shit. Um, uh, that's annoying. Hold on a second. I just got to go stop that. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> so, essentially, her mum's died and she wants to remember her mum and she thinks it's really important that everyone remembers how significant their mums are in their life. So she starts this petition out of, out of, out of, from nothing. Just because her mum's died, essentially, she starts a petition to have an annual Mother's Day recognised in the US. It gets three years later, she's built it up to enough of a stage that Congress is considering a proposal she's made. 
So they first rejected it in, in, in three years after she came up with the idea in 1908. But she kept pushing. She just kept pushing. And in 1911, by 1911, so another three years go by, and at that stage, all U.S. states observed the holiday. So some of them officially recognized it as Mother's Day as a local holiday, uh, the first being West Virginia, Jarvis's home state, in 1910. You know, but, but by 1911, all of them were observing it. So in 1905, she came up with this idea to have an annual holiday. Think about, think about like create. Think about that just like in a general sense. Think about something which is significant. So to to, to you personally that isn't being recognised now. And then pushing it, women couldn't vote back then. So to put that in context, now it seems so normal and e- it would be if there wasn't a Mother's Day now, given all the social concepts and whatever. You'd think it wouldn't be that hard to generate a trend, you know, uh, an emotional connection or following people getting around that sort of an idea. It's a good idea. Um, it's people being able to, you know, have a spread good messages and so forth in their community. Um, it, stands, it stands on good grounds and so forth. So if you, if you were to try and start that now and get it going, you've got a lot of things going for you. Society now is a very different place. You're just using social media to get that going. But in 1905, when communication, not even really telephones are kicking on much at all. Communication is so minimal and, and, and women's role in society is seen as so much below men's, uh, men's role in society. Before the Great War, so cars aren't even really a thing at all. People are still on horseback for crying out loud. This woman got Congress to consider a proposal for Mother's Day. Let, let, imagine if there was like homosexual day. Because that's kind of... Look, gay people everywhere are still not getting recognition. So that is the only kind of level I can kind of put that against. Or, or even, you know, African American day. Imagine, I mean, there's Martin Luther King day, but imagine if you just called it African American day. And you tried to get that through Congress right now, it would be a real shit fight for a whole bunch of reasons. So, whatever example of, of an oppressed group in society you can think of right now, and you're trying to push that through, imagine this woman in 1905 decides that she's going to make a national holiday, doesn't quit, gets Congress to consider it in 1908. They laugh it out because they're a bunch of tosspots. By 1911, though, she's worked so hard at pushing this idea over a six-year period that every U.S. state is observing the holiday. It gets better. Another four years go by. 1914 comes along, and the president of the day, Woodrow Wilson, signs a proclamation designating Mother's Day to be held on the second Sunday in May as a national holiday to honor mothers. Over a nine-year period, at a time where women had no rights at all, this woman has gone from the significance of her mother's death and the role her mother played in her life, taking that and making it a national holiday signed into law by the President of the United States. That is amazing. That is so mind-blowingly amazing. It's not funny. How's that for motivation? How's that for, for, for a no excuses kind of story, you know? And we, we sit around and we think about how our problems are and so forth. 
This woman literally rallied a country to celebrate the significance of motherhood over a nine-year period to the highest office in the land and have it signed into law. She is a gangster by, by modern standards. Seriously, that that's phenomenal. I had no idea that story even existed. I just assumed that, you know, uh, Mother's Day was some random holiday, was some Hallmark greeting card invented bullshit. But no, it's actually one of the most incredible stories of persistence and uh, just pure love for for one's parents that you can ever read of and perseverance. I mean, for crying out loud. Over in, this might sound like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of... You know, getting a bit carried away here and exaggerating the significance of what this woman's done and you know fair enough if you think that but crying out loud i can't even imagine someone having the the, the balls <laughs> you know paradox to, to be able to do that amazing okay gets better it gets better though in 1912 Anna Jarvis, so two years before Wilson signed it into office, she trademarked the phrases second Sunday in May and she also trademarked Mother's Day and created the Mother's Day International Association. She specifically noted that mothers should be a singular possessive for each family to honour its own mother, not a plural possessive commemorating all mothers of the world. The, the, like the lengths of detail that she's gone into here. This is also the spelling used by President Woodrow Wilson when he signed the proclamation by the US Congress in relevant bills and by various US presidents in their proclamations concerning Mother's Day. So the wording here, insisted by this woman in 1912, so at this stage, it's seven years after she's come up with the idea, is being trademarked and then for years gone, years since, specifically referred to in those terms. Amazing, amazing. Uh, but the story actually gets kind of funny because although she was really successful in founding Mother's Day, she became resentful of the commercialization. So by the 1920s, Hallmark, there you go, here they come, coming in for their two cents, coming in for their money, putting their hands in there, yeah, what are you, what are you doing over here? Can we make some money on it? think we can <laughs> hallmark and other companies started selling mother's day cards of course they did cash in on the emotions jarvis believed that the companies had misinterpreted and exploited the idea of mother's day and that the emphasis of the holiday was on sentiment not profit she was pure to her belief and it's that same perfection to the idea it's that commitment to the idea which led her to actually make this happen. So this woman didn't just sell out. She didn't sell out at all. She pushed through the idea to make it happen on her terms, literally in her phrasing that she insisted, which presidents still use to this day. And then when big companies came in to cash in on that, I mean, she could have found a way to cash in on, you know, with them and go be, be like the, the poster girl for it or whatever. No, no, it was the principle of the matter. She threatened to issue lawsuits against those companies. She argued that people should appreciate and honour their mothers through handwritten letters expressing their love and gratitude instead of buying gifts and pre-made cards. 
the actual woman who created Mother's Day is so against cards for Mother's Day, it's not funny. So much so that she issued lawsuits against the companies and started, this is where it gets really good, she protested at candle makers conventions in Philadelphia in 1923 and at a meeting of the American War Mothers in 1925. By this time, carnations had become associated with Mother's Day. So it's like the flower of the holiday. No idea how they came into it, but uh, the selling of carnations by the American War Mothers to raise money angered Jarvis, who was arrested for disturbing the peace. She started campaigning against Mother's Day. Because it became commercialized, it wasn't the point she started campaigning against it. She spent nine years campaigning for it to the point where the president signs into power and then she says, you know, no, fuck you. It's not how it's meant to be. I'm going against it. This is the most principled person perhaps ever to live. How do we not talk about this woman more often? Really? Think about a goal that you've got. Think about any goal that you've got. Let's make it just really basic. And I'll bring this back to the whole point of this podcast, which is talking about ideas about how to sell shit better or how to manage things better and how to think about your staff in a different way. Let's take this woman's lesson for a second. Think about a goal that you have. Okay. Let's make it real simple. You want to pay off your mortgage. <laughs> no, you want to pay off your mortgage. That ultimately comes down to how hard you're going to work and how hard you're going to push, you know, yourself to find better paying jobs or, or, you know, increasing your position and your value through acquiring skills and, you know, so on and so forth. Because the ultimate, let's say you've got, I don't know, a, a $600,000 mortgage. I think that the ability to push yourself to be able to get into a position to have that paid off in a... In, in the same period of time that this woman has gone from, because think about the effort involved, think about the, you know, getting even heard would be significantly easier. I don't, you know, it's when people talk about there's no excuse and, you know, you, you see a, a video of someone uh, without any legs still in the gym, you know, pushing themselves, someone without legs, like on prosthetics running a marathon, there's no excuse, that sort of motivational stuff. Think about all the social things this woman was against, you know, getting in the ear of the president to such an extent. Like, women didn't hold the position that they do now in society. They weren't, their, their opinions were not considered relevant at that time. They really weren't. They, they didn't have the vote for years later. That this is so amazing, this whole thing. I'm, I'm going on about it, I know, but I find this such an incredible story, you know? Um, and I saw, a, uh, I saw another one today. It was, uh, it was just on Facebook and I clicked on it and it was uh, that American Ninja Warrior thing um, where it's got a... Uh, you know, when they're running up and down on those um, obstacles and the obstacles look impossible and all the all the guys and the girls doing it are absolutely shredded. And half of them don't even make it across the course because, you know, it's always so ridiculous. Jump up and grab onto this little ledge to hell by a millimetre and then somehow swing yourself onto these uneven 
balls that are moving around and then you got to get on yeah it's it's the sort of thing where it's just like oh someone's gonna snap their ankle or you know uh something crosshair people would probably be really into you know a, a competition to say who's the fittest and they just gave it a really f- silly name like american ninja warrior and so uh there's a guy who who's on it and and you'll be able to find this on youtube but he he's well he's missing a leg and that that obstacle course looks so hard it's not funny to begin with he's missing a leg and he just smashes you know he just pushes through he doesn't stop he just keeps going keeps going keeps going eventually uh falls into the water like ages down but it's just like the ability to not only get yourself into great shape but then to enter that competition you know, and you know it's going to be really hard, and you know it's going to be just just suck. Like the commitment to getting that done, but you're putting that focus. You know, think about what you're doing in your life right now. Imagine committing that focus to that. Just saying, I'm going to. You know what prevents you from doing that? It's watching endless reality TV at night. It's going out and getting boozed. You know, twice a week. Or it's it's. Spending time at work tuning out, you know, just just listening to a podcast because you're bored, because you don't particularly like your job, and just letting the wheels spin. And that's what if that makes you happy, then fine. But if you're after more, if you're after, you know, being able to, uh, I don't, if you really want to drive a Ferrari, or if you really want to live in a uh, a six bedroom house in Greenwich, uh, Connecticut, you know, um, if you really want to be able to fly first class on your holidays, whatever it is. You know, maybe you want to bring water to a drought-stricken part of the world. These kinds of stories, and you can read them on mass, they just show a complete... They, they cease to blow me away, really. I, I look at that sort of thing. I look at this woman, Ann Jarvis, Anna Jarvis, sorry, Anne was her mother. And I think to myself, how the hell did you get there? I, I, I struggle to fathom it. And I'm going on and on about it right now, I know. But that is someone who is, who is absolutely phenomenal. And all they have done is committed and just hustled and made it happen. And that's essentially, or it, it's, it's putting the effort in. Knowing what your goal is, knowing what your idea is, putting that on a post-it note on your mirror and then working to make it happen. It's so easy. If, if it was easy, it's so easy to just sit and do nothing. But if it was easy to get these, these, these things that people want, you know, a holiday house in Aspen, whatever it is. Better education, free education and so forth. There could be free education in the U.S. There could be free healthcare in the U.S. You know what would actually make it happen? If everyone stopped what they were doing tomorrow, walked down onto the streets and demanded it, literally marched onto Washington demand. That sounds ridiculous, I know, because everyone's like, oh, come on, no one's going to do that. But yeah, it's that mentality which means it's not going to happen. Because the people who who are in the, the, the small minority of people that have excessive amounts of money now, they're not necessarily me driven to do that. 
But there are so many people that have hardly any money or, or you know, pushing through the jobs they don't like and so forth. Everyone just walked out and walked on to Washington. The economy would literally stop. They would have to see to whatever demands. At the end of the day, in a democracy, a government is answerable to its people. You know, and the best way to demonstrate that is to literally take it back, to literally say, hold on, no, no one should have to wonder if they can afford to save their child or, 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 or pay for their student loans and be stressed out by that sort of shit. Making that your mainstay and pushing and say, hey, look, fuckface, I'm not working and giving you taxes until you do what we want you to do. And then when we can see that you guys are actually acting in our interests, then yeah, then we'll come across. Then we'll come meet you halfway. But it has to happen with people standing up and saying, no, nah, this is bullshit. You're going you're gonna to start doing your job and looking after the people. You're going to start doing your job and doing it properly. It's that sort of motivation. It's that sort of rallying call. It's what makes it happen. And these people, this is Anne Jarvis, the guy who, I'm actually going to look up his name because I'm not doing him any justice. And if I'm going to talk about someone who's got one leg and doing American Ninja Warrior, then they really do need the attention they deserve. Here we go, American Ninja Warrior, one leg. Okay, his name is Artis Thompson the third, and this is at the Oklahoma City Qualifier. Holy shit, there's another guy. Holy shit, there's another one. Oh my God. (laughs) Great, great. Further examples of why there is no excuse whatsoever. But this this bloke who did in Oklahoma, um, amazing. I've got to watch the others though. There's no way I can't watch the others. It's just incredible. How do you, how do you push yourself to do that? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. There's another story which I think is worth talking about and it's a guy called Giles Julie and I bought, he's a photographer. I bought a book of his and I first saw him on uh, like a foreign affairs uh, TV show and it was profiling his, uh, what had essentially happened to him uh, when he was covering a Marine battalion. He was embedded with Marines in, uh, in Afghanistan. And his history is that he was originally a, a fashion photographer and so forth in his 20s. And in his 30s, he became embedded with the Marines. And uh, then what happened is he was out on patrol one day. Someone stepped on an IED or an IED went off near him. It took off both of his legs and one of his arms. And he nearly died there and there. Got airlifted out by US Army. Um, uh, U.S. Marines, you know, evac, top of the line, surgeons straight away. Um, and they they essentially saved his life. And then he goes back to the U.K. without legs, with one arm, and spends the next 18 months recovering in hospital. The medical issues you have when you're an amputee, I know a few people who are, and the medical issues that they have in blood flow, um, in you know their, their cell regeneration, all sorts of things, all sorts of issues that they have are incredible. And they don't stop. And the, the medical expenses incurred by them are crippling. 
which is another reason why it's so important to have um, really, really good health coverage <laughs> and why it's so important for that to be something that people should have to worry about. I'll stop getting political. But this guy, is he's had his legs and one of his arms blown off. He's recovering. You think like all oh, the depression, all sorts of stuff, and he had PTSD and he had elements of depression. But what happened was he decides that, no, I'm not going to let this beat me. And he says, I want to document people who are suffering in war, suffering amputees like I am. And so he heads back to Afghanistan. He heads back to Afghanistan. And this time, this time when he's back there, he documents the Afghan people that have been killed. The Afghan people that have had their arms and legs blown off and are recovering in a hospital funded by the Italians. And there are just these young men who were farmers, who were, you know, occupying all sorts of different positions where they essentially, in order to survive, needed to have use of their, their, their bodies. So they didn't come from societies where they were, you know, in positions of being... Oh. And so <laughs> the the key thing about this story is that the guys, the young men who he was um, photographing, you know, were suffering from depression, severe depression, you know, because they had no way of working. They had no way of, you know, identity. And the, the education level that they had was very minimal, mostly from villages and so forth. And they had their arms and limbs blown off as a as a reality of this war that's been ravaging their country. They were people who were completely devastated, and I, looking at the pictures that he took, you couldn't help but just be completely blown away. Then let's think about this guy. He's had his arms and legs blown off, and then he's gone back to this war zone. It's hard enough being in a war zone when you're fully able. He's gone back to this war zone to document and show to the world these people who actually need help, medical help, people who need, you know, to, to be secure, to be safe, to not be um, in danger anymore. Spend billions and billions of dollars on armaments, but hardly anything, hardly anything goes towards getting these people the sort of medical treatment that they really need. And it was, it's incredible. And so I had to buy the uh, the, the book that he, he released. And he's since then gone to Syria. He's gone to uh, the most ravaged parts of Lebanon, you know, documenting families that have children that are suffering and have horrible conditions. And, and there's no help and there's no focus on helping them out. But here's a guy who won't let anything keep him down. And the testament to his to his will and his spirit is absolutely incredible. And, you know, I hark on about this all this podcast, but it comes back to you know you have a goal. What's actually keeping you from achieving it? And the short answer is fucking nothing, absolutely nothing. 
the people that have achieved these things, it's like we forget. It's like we, we remove ourselves and think of them as gods. They are people in the same way that you and I are. But they just, they have the idea and they commit to it. They look at it and they say, I can do this. I'm, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to push. I'm going to make this happen. And people want to be around that, you know, because it's those kind of people who get shit done and they should be praised and they should be admired and they are phenomenal. And so that's the key. If you look at a house, for example, and and let's say that you're, you know, a bit oh, I don't know, at, at unease with the, the housing market and you are earning $60,000 a year and you're trying to work out what could you afford in ways of a mortgage and saving up for a deposit. I firmly believe through just these, these, these stories of these people that have achieved these things despite all of the odds against them, that if you were to go onto a real estate website, go look at properties in Montecito in California, which are excruciatingly expensive. Pick one that you really like and then give yourself a 10-year, say, say, ask yourself, uh, 10 years, could I get to being able to live in that house? Well, the answer is, yeah, you probably can, but you just don't have the belief and balls to make it happen and get there. You know, it's not going to come easily. Nothing that these people were after came easily. They had to work and it took time. And one of the biggest problems that young people have today is they look at something like Mark Zuckerberg and they say, oh shit, he just, he came up with an idea and then bang, he had $44 billion. Well, no, it wasn't that simple. He came up with an idea that he then went, took years to bring to fruition and develop the same kind of work that it has now. But more importantly, the people who go out and actually achieve these things, they're doing it for reasons that are outside of material gain. So this might sound counterintuitive to all the things I've said. If you have a goal, fine, have that goal. But you've got to be able to push yourself for reasons beyond it and you've got to not stop. I mean, that's key. You can't stop. You can't just say, sit and say, oh, yeah, no, I've had enough of um, going out for this sort of thing. I'm, you know, I kind of just want to relax and do this now well no that's not good enough you have to keep pushing you have to want it at at all corners and want it at every turn and be willing to sacrifice and 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 do whatever it is because i hear some stories of you know these people that are achieving these great things with everything against them and there is no excuse okay i think that's it that's it that's it for today I think now the best thing is to listen to some more Charlie Keller. So we are going to listen to a song called uh, Jailbird. So it's Jailbird by Charlie Keller. All right, see you next time. Bye.